there, I'm Michelle Bunch, and this is Enthusiasm Diaries. Enthusiasm is contagious, and in this podcast, we get to share in the enthusiasm of others and perhaps spark some of our own curiosity along the way. Thanks so much for listening. Catherine Ryan Gregory is a family travel expert, and she is the author of three books, Virtual Travel Activities for Kids, Road Trip Games and Activities for Kids, and 50 Fun Staycation Adventures for Kids. She is also the founder of the family travel website, toandfrofam.com. Well, Catherine, thanks so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to chat. Yeah, me too. I mean, in the spirit of being a family travel expert, I wonder if you could just share a little bit about how you first became interested in traveling. Yeah, absolutely. I first became interested in traveling internationally in seventh grade when my family moved to Singapore. Uh, My dad was um, temporarily posted there teaching in a a university. And I got to travel a bit over Southeast Asia and I fell in love with traveling and um, exploring new places and learning about the world and, and everybody in it. Um, and that inspired me later to do a bunch of study abroad programs. So I studied abroad in Mexico and Costa Rica in high school and then in Argentina in college. And then I did an um, internship program in Ghana um, when I was in grad school and later led that internship program um, for journalism students. So that's how I got it. Uh, how I got started traveling myself. Um, and then, as you probably know, Michelle, the the whole idea of family travel is a whole other ballgame. <laughs> it's slightly <laughs> different than traveling without kids. Yeah, it changes a lot. Well, and I definitely want to talk about that a ton and, and, and how that came to be such a, an area of expertise for you. But how did, how do you think that early, those early experiences and then all the study abroad and then later what you did in college, like how did that influence you as a person? It influenced a lot. I think it opened my eyes to the fact that the world was much bigger and um, much more diverse than my own little corner of the universe where I grew up. And it sparked this curiosity in me that I haven't ever fully sated. (laughs) The curiosity is still alive and well. And it just made me feel inspired to go and see more, do more, um, to ask a lot of questions and to really never be satisfied with enough. You know, I always want to go and learn more. I have more questions to ask and um, there's always someplace else to explore. Yeah, that's so true. And I, I think I've traveled some, not super extensively, but I think of travel as something like the more you do of it, it it's like the more you want to do of it for a lot of people, at least for me. And it's, it's quite the opposite of like, oh, I've, I've, oh, I've done that. I'm, I'm good. If anything, you just like want more and more. And I feel like that's kind of what you're, you're saying. Like it just kept the, the curiosity kept growing, the wanting to see more, um, leading to other like areas of interest and other questions. I love how you said that. Um, has there been like a favorite place you've been to so far? I don't think there is one favorite place. It's, it's hard to say. And I, I think one of my, um, best travel experiences was a summer when I spent, um, 
uh, a summer in Southeast Asia in college. I just, I got to travel a bit around the area um, and still tell my kids about some of the adventures or misadventures that I had. Um, they love to hear about the story of when I got lost hiking in a Thai national park and found myself on an elephant trail, um, not on the hiking trail. Um, so they love hearing those kinds of stories. But um, I think that just about everywhere I've been holds a little special place in my heart that's different from the others. And it would be it would be too hard to pick just one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really was kind of an unfair question, but... <laughs> Do you have maybe just another travel story from that time, especially traveling um, without kids, since we're going to talk about more with kids, but another story or moment that stands out? Yeah. When I was in Ghana, I stayed in a very rural, rural part of Ghana when I was doing research for my master's project. And at one point I had to go into town. I think I needed to get cash out of an ATM because there was no way to get cash in the area where I was staying. And there was only one bus back and the bus was full. And I ended up um, riding back to the town where I was staying on top of the bus, along with a couple of other people in these huge sacks of uh, yams and, you know, whatever else, like the the cargo that people were bringing back with them. Um, And it felt wild. I wouldn't recommend it. This is not something that I recommend everyone go do is right on the top of a bus, especially not my children if they ever end up listening to this. Um, but it was one of those moments that I never, ever could have predicted. And I'll never forget, you know, the the smell of the dust and watching the sunset from a very unique standpoint. Uh, so I have, I have a couple of, like I said, misadventure stories, but, um, you know, they all they all sort of have created this fabric um, or contributed to this fabric that um, that is my travel experience, and I wouldn't give any of them up. Mm. Yeah, that's that is. I wish we could see a picture of you <laughs> on the bus. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I didn't get a picture, but no. um, I think that there still might be a little bit of red dust still stuck in my camera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I think there's something too about especially that kind of travel, like maybe it's a little bit of the difference between like travel and vacation maybe, but the travel where you're like, you're living and you're in a different culture and you really have to like figure out how to do, like how to run errands, how to like do things in, in, an, in an area where maybe they don't, the language is different and all the cultural norms are different. And there's something about the... Um, I wonder if you could speak about like what it does for you as a person to like have to figure it out and then to realize you can figure it out over time or what comes up thinking about that? Yeah, it's so true, especially if you're in a part of the world where you don't fluently speak the language or you don't right. um, know the customs. Um, it it makes you feel almost like a kid. Like you have, you don't really know what's going on you're confused about everything. <laughs> and it does take some bravery to give into that and just um, go with whatever comes along your way because you have to give up a lot of control. Um, and you have to give up a lot of uh, planning and the feeling that you know what's going to happen um, and you know how you will handle it. And I think it's made me more flexible because 
you have to be flexible in those sorts of situations. Like, okay, well, the bus is full. Well, I could either find a place to stay overnight in town, or I could figure out another way to get back to my lodging. Um, And I think that flexibility is a skill that you use in every aspect of your life. Um, Once you, once you gain it, once you strengthen that muscle, you know, you use it in your work, you use it in family, definitely use it in parenting. (laughs) You use it in basically in in every part of your life. Um, And I think that is a real asset, something that I really value um, that travel has taught me. Mm, Flexibility and and maybe wouldn't feel that so much had it not been for those experiences. That's so cool. (laughs) Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about like you and your family um, and, and maybe as, as we're kind of talking about the transition from traveling solo or just as an adult, (laughs) um, can, can you share some about that? Yeah, absolutely. So my husband and I live outside of Portland, Oregon. We have two kids, um, two girls, their names are Edie, she's eight and Maxine is six. And we also have two rescue dogs. They are both um, senior citizens and they both happen to be deaf. So we have a a very interesting crew that um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it for anything, even if it sometimes um, is a little difficult. (laughs) So, uh, I started this, this whole process of wanting to learn more and share about family travel when my younger daughter, Maxine, was a couple of years old. Um, and that was because when, I, when she was born, she was a quite difficult baby. She had pretty severe colic and um, didn't really sleep pretty much at all. <laughs> and, um, the couple of trips that we had tried with her ended up in me in tears and, you know, vowing to never go on vacation again. Um, it was pretty miserable. And, um, I don't say that to deter anybody from trying, but that was the space where I was in. And when we finally started to get the hang of family travel, when Maxine was um, sleeping a little bit better, when she finally slept through the night around two and a half years old, then I started to enjoy it. And I found that when I was out of town with my family, when I was out of the house and away from all the reminders of the responsibilities that I had and things that still needed to be done, I could be more present. I had a lot more fun with my kids and I could just really be in the moment with them. And I wanted to help other families be in that space too. And I wanted to help them skip over some of the learning curve that I went through, (laughs) Um, just sort of learn from my mistakes and uh, take some of the tips that I had figured out on my own. And that's when I founded the family travel website that I write and sort of sharing tips on social media so that other families could have all the fun parts of travel and leave behind some of the more difficult parts. Mm, So yeah, it's like, if you can figure it out, help us all because I can, (laughs) I can, I can relate to a time. Like I have two boys, but when my older one was maybe about two and a half or three, maybe going on a trip to Florida and I forget if it was, I think it was on the way there. And by like the last hour he started crying and then I started crying and I feel like my husband gave me this look like 
not you too, but it's such a helpless <laughs> feeling. It was so overwhelming. Like, what do I, I, I'm out of ideas. I don't know what to do. This is supposed to be fun. And it's so not right now. Like I had this feeling of like, and it's like expensive and you, you build it up a lot in your head of like, oh, this is going to be so fun. And then you have these moments in that moment, at least for me, I was like, okay, this sucks. <laughs> like, yeah. this isn't like how it used to feel to travel. And so, um, but I, but you want to do that with your kids. And so I, like everything you're saying, like really speaks to me, like as a mom and a person. And I just wonder, like, how did you start to figure this out? I think one of the biggest changes, um, with how I started to enjoy traveling as a family was just to accept that it was going to be different. It wasn't going to be like you mentioned, like a vacation where you hang out and read a book while relaxing by the pool. Um, it is absolutely different and things 100% will go wrong. Like there's no, like you can do all of the planning. You can, you know, practice all of the tips. You can prepare your kids. You can pack all the right stuff. You can buy the right gear and inevitably something goes wrong. Um, and I think that just simply acknowledging that takes away some of the power of whatever snag you hit. Because when you stop worrying about if something will go wrong, then you're able to actually have more fun in the not awful parts. <laughs> and um, the idea is that when you know your kid has a meltdown in line or he won't stop crying on the plane um or he gives you major attitude when you take them to do the most fun thing that they absolutely love then you can kind of roll with it a little bit more that's i think the biggest change that um that i have adopted personally and it's also sort of the hardest to do you know it's not like a seven step checklist <laughs> that, right. that you can download and be prepared to, you know, go off and have the perfect vacation. But, um, it is sort of a, a deeper shift in how you think about family travel and, um, reminding yourself that it is worth it. Even if you have those moments where you're questioning why in the world did we do this? <laughs> why do we spend all this money to fly across the country just so my kid could cry? Um, it, it, it does end up being worth it. The mm -hmm. memories that you can make with your family, the, the dedicated time together um, as a family, concentrating on each other and not on all the other distractions around you um, and, and creating this thing that you can look back on, you know, like living your life in a way that you can look back and really cherish those memories. It's all worth it. Yeah. And it, and it's, it is, it's like, you want to be like all the things you said, you want to be present. You want to be in the moment. And I, I really kind of agree with you. Like, I think I am maybe a more present and more fun mom when I'm not also thinking like I have to start dinner and I have to do the laundry. And like, it's so easy to be like split between household stuff and kids stuff. And I, I like that you brought that up. Like, it, it's really, then it's less about exactly like where you are and what you're doing and more about just that, like whatever we're doing, we're intentionally like doing this thing together and just like here to be in the moment doing something as a family. Hopefully it's fun and maybe not splitting attention so much. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And when you take that approach, then the things that don't go according to plan aren't necessarily bad. You know, they're not disastrous because you're focusing on being together and the, the sort of the, the process of traveling. Like one time um, I took my kids on sort of a day trip to central Oregon and we went to, uh, we went hiking at Smith Rock and then we went to this alpaca farm and like fed alpacas. Oh, and the last thing we were going to do was to go to this, uh, this site where you can dig fossils because my kids are obsessed with prehistoric animals and dinosaurs and such. And I followed the directions that I had found online and we never did find that fossil site. And so we ended up driving for an hour and a half sort of aimlessly, but it wasn't something that we ended up being angry about. They didn't complain. We were listening to audiobooks and playing road trip games and um, it ended up not being a disaster like you think it might be because like you said it was just being together and not focusing so much on the where or the what but just the fact that you know I was spending this um this undistracted time with my kids Mm -hmm. yeah and and I feel like when you think about I forget where I saw this it was some kind of survey that asked like kids what they remember about vacations with their um parents and Gosh, I don't know why this is coming to memory, but it fits perfectly. It was that they just, the kids just liked that their parents were just like hanging out with them, which yeah, really so fits. Yeah, yeah. Like they just, they just want to like have our attention maybe. And, and, um, and maybe that also helps to like make the expectations of like the what and like kind of tone that down a little bit too. Like it's just. Maybe it's just going to a different park or something, but, um, yeah. And, you know, yeah. kids end up being just as excited about, you know, going to an alpaca farm as they are about going to Disney world, you know, maybe not quite so much, but right. You know, the kids, at least my kids are excited just to be doing something with us and to be trying something new and hanging out with mommy when she's carefree. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't really matter the what. So it doesn't, family travel doesn't have to be some elaborate thing that you have to save months and months and months for. It can be just throwing the kids in the car and, you know, driving a couple hours away and doing something that is totally out of your routine. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's cool. Out of the routine and not so much about the physical distance. So tell us, say more about your blog, because I'm so curious about, I've looked a little bit at it, but if you could like, what kind of things on are on there and, um, and what has the experience been like um, writing this blog over the years? Sure. So the blog is to and for a fam, and it is a combination of family travel tips and hacks. So things like how to get your kids to sleep in a hotel room, um, you know, what to bring to an Airbnb if you're traveling with a baby, things like that, as well as destinations. So I look for family-friendly things to do and all the places that we go. And I spend a ton of time researching and looking things up. Um, I find it really fun. And I know that a lot of other people don't. And so I try to be a resource for people who can just come read the article and know, okay, well, here are these seven things that are really fun to do in Portland or Austin or San Francisco or whatever it might be so that they can not have to stress about, okay, well, what are we going to do when we get there? But rather they can focus their energies on looking forward to the trip. 
Um, so those are the main the main buckets that I write about. Um, I also every so often will do like a roundup of destinations. Like one of my favorite posts in the last year was a post of um, places to go with multi-generational trips. So mm. places to go with the grandparents and the kids together and what to do in all those different destinations. Um, and Wait, I... Uh- not to oh, interrupt you, but will you say will you say what was the top few? I'm so curious. Oh yeah, there were definitely a couple of national parks um, in the U.S. that made the list. I think that Yosemite was one, and um, Yellowstone, and I think Rocky Mountain National Park. Those all those all made the list. Um, there was one I think for Nashville, which was uh, one I, I personally haven't been to, but which was recommended by another travel blogger. Um, and then I really love places where you can set up sort of a, a central hub as a family, and then make little trips out from there. And that gives you the flexibility if you know you're if the elder generation isn't up for doing quite as much as the younger ones, then the grandparents can, you know, sit out some activities and hang out at home or rest or do whatever they want to do. And then everyone comes back to that center location to spend more quality time together. And it it takes off some of the pressure of everybody um, since they don't have to do absolutely everything together all the time, Mm -hmm. but gives everybody the um, the wiggle room to do what is comfortable for them. Oh, that's cool. What, did, was there a particular destination that you think that works really well from to have a hub and then kind of do day trips from there? Uh, yeah, I we did this in Tulum, Mexico. We went when my kids were, boy, they must have been, I think, two and four or two and a half and four and a half. And we went with my two kids, my dad, my older sister and my brother and his wife. And so it was definitely multi-generational and we all had different interests as well. Um, and we stayed in one house, we rented a house and then we took trips from there. Like one day we went to um, the ruins in Tulum. Another day we went and swam in some cenotes. Another day we went to this um, this ruins that was like out in the jungle that had a hike and you know like trekking through the forest and you know another day we just stayed at the house and lounged on the beach and played cards and swam in the pool so it was really nice to be able to um, to plan different things and different outings and then people could opt in or opt out or plan their own outings like my brother and sister-in-law they went on um, a bird watching tour, which was not something that my kids would have tolerated, but they were able to do that off on their own. And then we were able to reunite back at the house. Mm, How fun. Yeah. And it's been fun for everybody, right? Like, yes, truly. That's awesome. Are there, um, again, everyone should just check out your blog, but I wonder just in the spirit of giving like a little, a little overview of some of it, what would be some of those like pro pro hacks that you might have on there? For travel, like I'd, I'd love to hear some of the ones, any and anything else you want to share, but about like sleeping in a hotel room. That- oh yeah, um, that one is a challenge that I hear from a lot of people, 
partly because if you're staying in a hotel, you're probably all going to be sleeping in the same room, <laughs> right? Like you have your two queen beds and the kids are in one queen bed and then you or you and your partner in the other bed. Um, one thing that I found with that is that, if, you know, there's the trend and chew chick of um, hanging out in the, the bathroom <laughs> after your kids go to bed and shutting the door. Um, also, if you forget your noise machine. You know, my kids still sleep with noise on their eight and six, but you can flick on the fan in the hotel bathroom and that can act as a white noise um, machine or white noise sound so that you don't have to worry so much about, um, about waking the kids if you're, you know, getting up or watching a show or whatever it might be. Uh, it's also a good idea to ask the hotel concierge or the reservation folks to put you in a room that is not next to the elevator because there's a lot of traffic noise from that. People coming and going can, um, can really disrupt your kid's sleep. And also um, try to get it on, um, on a part of the floor where it's not in, um, in like a major like lobby area or any place that's near where a lot of people are going to be coming and going. Mm-hmm. Um, most hotels have blackout curtains. Um, I found that most Airbnb, Airbnbs or home rentals do not, but you can sort of hack your own blackout curtains if you take tinfoil and tape it up in the window of where the bedrooms, um, the bedroom where your kids are sleeping and it blocks out the light and makes the room totally dark so that your kids can sleep past sunrise, which is really helpful, especially in the summer when you don't want necessarily to get up at 545 with your kids. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Hack. Is there, is there, um, another like pro trip tip or two you'd want to share that's not about hotel sleep or something that people always ask you? Yeah. uh, One thing that people often, well, two things. People often ask me, how do I find someplace that's kid-friendly to go on vacation with my family? And secondly, how can I find a place that's affordable to go? And I think that the most common way that people plan their vacation is they figure out where they want to go. And then they try to find the cheapest plane tickets and they try to find the cheapest hotel room and the cheapest car rental and the cheapest activities. And they go on Groupon and see if they can get $10 off the museum or whatever. Um, but that is, you know, going to save you a small fraction of the price of the entire trip. So how we generally plan our trips is figure out when we're going to go and then use, uh, the Google flights tool to find out where it's cheap to go. So Mm. you can, um, in the Google flights, it's just flights.google.com. You can, um, hit the feature. I think it's called, um, explore or something along those lines. I think it's called explore and it will show you the price from flying from your home airport to all the other airports around you. And that way you can, save a ton of money in the transportation, which is the most expensive part of a family trip, especially if you're traveling with more than one kid, because Mm -hmm. all of those plane flights add up. And that way you can focus on doing the most fun things once you get there and not have to worry quite so much about price. 
And we're actually doing um, a trip that I planned that very way in a couple of weeks. Um, I had originally wanted to go to Palm Springs. Um, I've never been there with my kids. And um, it sounded really good to get into the sun and the desert um, as a change from the rainy Pacific Northwest winter. And I looked into it and tickets are something like $450 a piece, which um, for my family was quite a lot for our budget. And so I did this hack with looking for um, looking for an inexpensive or relatively inexpensive place to go based on when we were able to travel. And we decided instead to go to Las Vegas. And the tickets were about, I think they ended up being $120 a piece round trip. So like a quarter of the price or something. Exactly. And I personally don't love Las Vegas as a city, Um, but you can always find really fun things to do pretty much no matter where you go with a little bit of research. So we're going to be doing some hiking. We're going to do a day trip to Zion National Park. And I found, um, I found a new national monument near Las Vegas that is the site of one of the largest um, archaeological or uh, paleontology digs from the Ice Age, which my kids are just going to go wild for because they are obsessed with dinosaurs and mammoths and smilodons and so forth. So it just goes to show that even though Las Vegas wouldn't necessarily feel like a family travel destination or hub, you can really make it work pretty much wherever you go. And if price is a barrier to you going out and doing something fun as a family, then approaching your vacation as, um, you know, when, starting from when you're able to go and looking for someplace that's within your budget is going to take off a lot of the stress of planning a vacation. And as opposed to deciding on the destination and then trying to whittle down the price from there. Hmm. Yeah, that's so cool. And it, it kind of speaks to what you were saying before about like, it really doesn't matter where it's just the time. Um, do you the other you had mentioned the other question you get about just like family friendly destinations? Yeah, um, I think that the best way to find the family friendly destination is to figure out what your kids most like. Because what makes a destination family friendly for one group of kids is not necessarily going to appeal to another group of kids. So in my family, we like to spend a lot of time outdoors. And so going to someplace that is um, more about, you know, amusement parks or, um, or more indoor oriented activities is going to be less family friendly to us. Uh, Mm -hmm. Another way of finding family friendly things to do in an area is to look up the local parenting website. Usually, at least most most areas and most cities these days have a local parenting magazine that has an online component to it. So there you can just browse and find a ton of places that are sort of the local, uh, local favorites for families and use that as almost like an insider friend to give you all the best recommendations of how the local families like to play. Mm, that's so cool. Yeah. And you're right. It's, it's family friendly, but it's not for your, for you, like particularly, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, well, and all this, this travel stuff is so awesome, but then I, you know, can't help thinking how much has changed as we 
went into 2020 and the pandemic and um, obviously for any, for everybody. And then you talk about a family that loves to travel and like your blog. I mean, what has the pandemic like been like for you and your family? Well, we have been incredibly fortunate in that my family has stayed healthy. My immediate family um, has stayed healthy and, you know, we haven't um, gone to um, stir crazy yet. <laughs> and we made it through some of the, the most difficult stretches of, um, you know, those first months of lockdown and all of that. So I am so grateful every day for how um, we've stayed healthy and safe um, and now are vaccinated. Uh, actually, tomorrow my kids are going to get their second vaccine shot. So we will be fully vaccinated as a family, which is um, not only important to us, but feels good to, um, to help do our part to protect the community. And also um, my parents and my husband's parents or so grandparents, the grandparents and the family um, are within a vulnerable age group. So it's really important to us to... Um, to be vaccinated so that we reduce the risk of um, spreading COVID. Um, but then, like you sort of alluded to, for a family that loves nothing more than to get out and travel and explore and see new places, it was a big change to go from that to staying at home. Um, and I still feel sad about all the trips that we had to cancel um, and still need to use up the travel credits <laughs> that we um, collected from all those cancellations. Um, but we ended up changing the style of travel that we do over the last almost two years now. We travel a lot more in our home state of Oregon, and that has been actually a really wonderful discovery for us because we've gotten to know Oregon so much better and have been to so many places in the state that we had never visited before. And we've also been doing a lot more camping. We did a, a lot of camping this past summer. Um, and that has been a really wonderful experience too. I, I just am so grateful that my kids um, have are now growing up with with this spirit of camping, with all these memories of, you know, seeing stars, so many stars that they can't count. They just stare at the sky and they marvel and of, um, you know, doing inner tube floats down the river next to the campsite where we're staying. Um, and just like running around and being wild hooligans all over the campground, just, just being kids and being outside. So the style of our travel has definitely changed a lot. And it was also a very good reminder of what we've been talking about, that the destination and the distance don't matter nearly as much as um, I think the, the mindset with which you approach spending time together. So even doing something a half hour away can feel like a vacation, can feel like travel if you take the right approach and the right mindset. Um, and again, like the kids don't really care. They're just excited mm -hmm. to do something new. Yeah. Is that, cause I, I'd want to hear more about some of your books too. And I, I wonder, I think it was during, was it during some of the pandemic that you, that you did your writing of, of your books? Yeah. All of them. The, 
first book, um, Virtual Travel Activities for Kids, was directly inspired by the pandemic. And it was in response to the pandemic and my frustration of being of feeling stuck at home and feeling out of control. Um, and it felt like I was able to do something that I could set a goal and work toward it. And it wasn't going to be affected by, you know, the number of infections in my state or in my town or um, didn't have anything to do with the news that, you know, we were all so tuned into. Um, so I ended up writing that first book um, in April of 2020. So right after the pandemic began. And it was also a way for me to explore how to learn about the world and um, have fun with my kids when everything was on a screen. You know, it was my, my younger daughter was in preschool and was trying to do Zoom on preschool, which is, as you can imagine, a complete disaster. And um, so we we took the opportunity to learn about the world um, so that we didn't I, I didn't want I didn't want us to feel like we were closed off from what was happening elsewhere. And I wanted my kids to still explore their curiosity. Um, so I designed these activities to do that through play and to not be stuck on a screen, not just be watching videos, um, but to be doing it in an interactive way when when they're playing to learn. Um, so that was, yeah, that was my first book. I didn't actually, I never set out really to write a bunch of books, but it, um, it sort of was born of the pandemic, ironically. Mm. Yeah. Can you give an example of like one of the activities in that book? Yeah. Um, let me think. One of my favorite activities was about um, borders. So each each of the activities is not about a given country, but rather is centered on a concept like um, like food or uh, music or fashion or whatever it might be. And I did one of the activities on borders. And so each sort of section has, um, you know, three to five activities within it that explore the concept and also help teach different subjects like math or science or reading or music or whatever it might be. So what my favorite activity within that borders, um, concept was working together in a pair to pretend that you were you were on opposite or opposing sides of um, of a river and the river was dividing two countries and each of you had to work together to build a bridge using popsicle sticks or marshmallows and spaghetti or you know whatever you had on hand whatever materials and you had to start on your own side and build towards the other person to create a bridge and the whole time you're doing it you couldn't speak because mm. if you're on opposite sides of the border you might not speak the same language and it was such a fun activity the kids loved the challenge and it ended up incorporating you know elements of stem with engineering and also got my kids thinking about sort of the uh, the artificial ways that we separate each other um, you know, they wouldn't, wow. they wouldn't be able to articulate it exactly in this way, but 
um, you know, that a river might be dividing two places, but that doesn't mean that two folks on the other, on um, different sides of that river, you know, they can still communicate even if they don't speak the same language and they can find common ground like in this bridge. So that was one of my, one of my favorite ones. Oh, how fun. I mean, and what a, you're talking about targeting so many different things to learn about. I mean, the STEM and then just kind of these, I don't want to say almost like broader um, ideas about how we relate to one another as human. So cool. Yeah, Um, absolutely. And it's all through play. So it doesn't feel like school. It doesn't feel like there's like a moral lesson being imparted. It just feels like you are building something um, and trying to trying to overcome this challenge or trying to like beat the game mm-hmm. and working together. That's yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. What, what book did you write next? Uh, after that, I wrote road trip games and activities for kids. And that was because as I said, we were doing a ton of driving. This was during a time that no one was really flying still. And a lot of people around me um, were saying that they were going to be doing road trips more, more road trips with their kids. And a lot of parents told me that they were stressed out about what are we going to do as a family in the car? Like my kid, are my kids going to fight the entire time that we're going to be driving? Are they going to be constantly asking me, are we there yet? Is it going to be awful? And so I wrote, um, road trip games and activities for the parents just like that. And also for myself, to be honest, like I write each of my books for myself. (laughs) I'm sort of my target audience. And I collected um, a handful of classic games um, that, you know, you might recognize things like, um, you know, like the alphabet game, finding letters on the signs, and then wrote down um, instructions for a bunch that might not be quite so familiar. Um, A few that we played as a family growing up that um, I don't know if anyone else has. And then for each of the games, I suggested adaptations to make them either easier or harder, depending on the ages of your kids. So if you have, say, a three-year-old, they're going to need to play a game with a little bit more support, or they're going to need to make it easier than if you have a 13-year-old. And so I wrote that, and my kids still love to go through it and choose a game. Their favorite is um, a game called Fortunately, Unfortunately. And it's a storytelling game where family members each take a turn telling a part of a story and it alternates between fortunately something happened, but then unfortunately, whatever next happens. And my kids think it's hilarious to, um, to make every story involve baboons and mandrills uh, chasing me because I, I am scared of nothing more than baboons and mandrills. <laughs> so they think it's hilarious. <laughs> well, and it's cool that it, the game could just like, it could go on for a while or it could be something to do if you're waiting in line for 10 minutes or. Yes, absolutely. It's super flexible. Yeah. We play it when, yeah, like you said, when um, we're waiting in line or, you know, when we're just driving to the grocery store or a doctor's appointment. So we use it um, not only on road trips, but just basically whenever uh, we need to entertain ourselves. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, and I think it'd be fun for adults too, because I feel like, I mean, I'll just speak for myself, but like we've gotten so used to like 
whipping out our phone and like checking an email or do you know sending a text doing all scrolling all kinds of stuff on our phone when we're waiting and i i try to think sometimes about like how much i'm doing that when my kids are there and like am i but it's it's also just thinking about like what how can i entertain myself um and it's fun that we're talking about with kids too and of course you know you'd probably do this with your kids but i think we've gotten a little bit like so used to being entertained by technology and i like that this is something that's so like like you said some of them are games you played growing up and like i mean the one that came to mind for me was like i spy it's such mm-hmm. like a classic yeah um, and we we do that sometimes driving or hiking, but I, I'm like, I want to learn more of these games. And I think it's a good way to just like pass the time for any of us. So, yeah. And the one thing that I love most about playing games, whether it's a road trip or like you said, just standing in line, um, is that it gives parents a really good way to be silly and to just have fun um, because kids just delight and their parents being ridiculous and silly. I, when we play these games, my kids crack up so hard and I end up laughing. And then it ends up being this lovely experience where we don't even necessarily want to arrive at our destination yet because we haven't finished the story or we haven't you know, completed the game or whatever it might be. But we just, we ha- just have fun. And I don't think that there's at least speaking personally, um, as an adult, I don't have fun often enough. Mm. Yeah. We could all use a little more fun. Right. (laughs) Especially, you know, the world can feel heavy. You might as well take all the opportunities you can to have fun, to laugh and to just be silly every once Mm. in a while. Yeah. I, I totally agree. Um, yeah. And, and then tell us your last book. Yeah. My last book is uh-huh, is 50 Fun Staycation Adventures for Kids. And I wrote this book for some of the families that I was talking to who said that they weren't quite ready to travel yet. So road trip games and activities is sort of this way for um, way for families to get out and about, maybe closer to home, um, not flying on an airplane. But for the many people who weren't quite ready to do that, I wanted to encourage them to find new ways to explore the area close to home and to not feel like it was, you know, this sad runner up of an activity, but rather something that could be just as fun, just as memorable as going on a vacation together. And as I was writing them, I realized that you know, staycation is sort of this word that we've heard throw, thrown around a lot, but all these activities can be done, you know, on a regular like Saturday afternoon when you just can't stand going to the same park like one more time or when you're not quite sure what you're going to do with your kids. Um, or if you have some friends who are visiting from out of town and they've got kids or they want an activity that you, know, you can do together, um, you can just flip through the book and find one that makes sense with your region or the time of year or your kids' interests. And you don't have to come up with everything on your own. Mm. It takes some of the like, oh, how, what do I do? Where would I start? Are they, are they location specific, some of them, or are they more just like ideas that people could find available and are living in a lot of different places? Almost all of them can be done anywhere. Um, You know, some of them are at least somewhat location specific. Um, You know, if you have 
a hiking trail nearby, although, you know, most people have a hiking trail, but it's not location specific in that um, it has to be, you know, there's an activity for Denver or for New York City. Um, they're all adaptable and customizable to where you live. So they're, they're again, they're fairly open-ended and most of them, uh, most most vacation activities in there have multiple ideas for the same theme. So one might be um, exploring by water and that has several different activities within it. Um, another one is, uh, you know, doing a, like a, uh, an Iron Chef style throwdown with your kids. And, you know, you can do that by getting something new from the farmer's market if you happen to be um, doing it in the summer or the spring or fall. But if it's in the winter, you can go to, say, an ethnic grocery store and get an ingredient that you've never cooked before and try that at home. And while you're there, you know, you can pick up some ready-made food and have a little picnic um, with the, you know, the sushi or the doll or the samosas or whatever, um, it might be that you picked up. Well, it's, it makes, it makes it, just talking to you is so fun. I'm like, oh, there's like so many ideas. And it's just sometimes a matter of like getting an idea or making it more of a routine to like try something new or, or obviously your books, like as a resource would be amazing. Yeah. Um, and parents have, we have so much on our plate already. And it can be sort of daunting to feel like you have to plan new things and um, and to entertain your kids. And the truth is you don't have to come up with everything on your own. You don't have to spend hours researching or, or prepping or, you know, scrolling through Pinterest. Um, but it's so nice to have ideas at your fingertips, um, whether you get, you know, a printed book or download it um, onto your Kindle it's just as nice to not have to be responsible for coming up with the ideas sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Well, and we've kind of alluded a lot to like why travel is important to you and clearly just like spending that intentional time with your kids. But I wonder if anything else comes to mind, just like why this is so important and meaningful for you and like how you continue to like then share what you've learned and and want to share all this knowledge. And I feel you like really wanting to encourage other parents to try some different things too. Yeah. Beyond travel being a really great opportunity to make memories together, I deeply believe that travel makes people better humans. I think that this world is in dire need of people who are more empathetic and understanding and open-minded, curious, um, problem solvers, and travel teaches all of those skills. You know, like we talked about, you have to be flexible. You have to figure out how to solve the problem of, you know, getting back to your lodging if the bus is full. Um, you have to be comfortable talking to people who are not, who don't have the same background as you. You have to be open-minded about the different ways that people do things, whether it's, you know, cook their dinner or, um, or go to the grocery store or um, raise their children or, you know, carry things or, you know, any, any number of things. Um, I think that it makes people, I think travel makes people and especially children um, just better world citizens and, 
we definitely need more of that. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And I, I feel like what you're doing with your kids is you're like, just continue to like spark that love for it and the curiosity for it for, with your girls. And it's really cool to think about what they, where they might, might want to go and what their interests will be. Um, I know we probably as parents, we all think of that of our kids, but I <laughs> just wanted to say that thinking about like how intentional you are with, with sharing your love of it and sparking that, um, hopefully sparking more of that curiosity. So, um, well, in the spirit of just like enthusiasm diaries, is there anything else you want to share just about you and, and obviously travel is huge, but other things that you're enthusiastic about or excited about? I love this question. Um, for a couple of different reasons. First of all, it's just because I love to listen to all the the ways that people are enthusiastic on your podcast, but also because it sort of explodes the idea that you have to have like the one thing that you're passionate about. And I, I do have other interests. Um, I started to learn how to paint watercolors uh, during the pandemic. It was sort of my hobby. I didn't learn how to cook sourdough. <laughs> Unfortunately, I can't eat gluten. Um, so that one was out, but I started to learn how to paint and have really loved um, exploring that because I'd never, ever painted before. Um, and of course, there's, you know, reading and writing and, and hiking, but um, being creative with a paintbrush and color um, without the expectation of it being good or for any purpose um, was a really freeing way to, uh, to learn how to spend my time. Mm, that's fun. And I like that it's recent. Like, I think sometimes as like grown ups, we think like, well, I didn't, I didn't take art classes when I, or I didn't, I didn't have, I wasn't super artistic when I was young or, and, and I love, I just love when people take on new things as an adult, especially. I think it's so fun. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not something that you have to be good at, like quote unquote good at. Right, right. Yeah, I love that. Well, um, that's awesome. And it, it, I think I, I think just like something that's creative like that goes such a long way as an outlet too for everyone, but bringing it back around to the parenting thing too, like something that's just for you maybe, or maybe you do it with your girls too, but something that can be a creative outlet for yourself is really awesome, I think. But um, Agreed. Yeah. Well, how can people find you or or, find, or get your books and check out your blog? Yeah. Uh, I am on all the socials um, at to and fro fam. And uh, my website is to, that's T-O, and spelled out A-N-D, fro f r o fam f a m dot com, and uh, I work my hardest to create a new post for that every week. And then you can find all of my books on Amazon. Um, my I can they can be found under Catherine Ryan Gregory, and there's a page that has all of them. Um, and you can get those either in paperback or on um, an ebook download. That is so awesome. Well, this this has been such a fun conversation. I really want you to know it's gotten me like my wheels turning for some some ideas for now and down the road. So I really oh, appreciate it. I love it. Well, you know where to find me. I'm most active on Instagram and I respond to all of my DMs. So uh, for you or anyone listening, if you have specific questions or challenges that you just can't figure out how to get around with family travel or exploring the area around your home, um, hit me up. 
uh, send me a message and I always respond. And who knows, maybe I'll turn it into a blog post or a series on Instagram reels or stories or whatever it might be just to share, share the advice with more people. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Catherine. You're very welcome. It was so fun to chat with you. Thanks so much for listening. Please leave a review and share with a friend. And if you're enthusiastic about something and want to share it, please contact me at michelle at enthusiasmdiaries.com.